Hi, good morning everyone. Um, wanted to share from today, uh, verse 1 and 2. It starts off with Paul charging Timothy two things. One, it's to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And two, um, uh, that what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Despite Timothy having a sincere faith, which his grandmother and mother had in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, Paul charges Timothy to be strengthened by the grace of God. And this tells me no matter how sincere my faith is, I'm going to uh, need to be strengthened in my spiritual life because the reality is that much of life makes me feel weak. From sins from within me, um, addictions, ways that I don't work right, to health concerns, family problems that are really complex and messy, worries about our kids growing up in a virtual world, relational conflicts, fears of the future. There are just many things that make us feel weak. Um, uh, and given this reality um, of life, we just need to um, stop and think a little bit beyond the surface and recognize that we indeed are weak. Um, we may pretend and put up an image of strength, but um, we really aren't that strong. And all it takes is one person to make a comment about something, and then we can feel worried about how I'm perceived or thought of, or one sinful thought that pops into our mind and our heart, and we feel awful. We're weak no matter how together we look on the outside. So how do we choose to be strengthened? And I think all too often we want to be strengthened by things like doing better, being more competent, having more safety or rest or security. But these things don't bring us strength, but rather weaken us more because there is no life in them. John 14, 6 says, um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only one who can provide life and therefore strengthen us. Nothing else does. So Jesus is a life, and yet why is it so hard for us to come to him? Because we know that we have sinned, and so it gets complicated because we think that we need to still somehow merit our standing before God. So Paul says, be strengthened by grace, receive forgiveness, mercy, unmerited favor from God, and simply believe it. And that is how we get strengthened by grace. We know that we don't deserve anything from God, but when I humbly just receive God's goodness, then I am strengthened. I know I didn't earn it, nor do I need to work um, at it to keep it, but it's something freely given to me, and that's when I feel strengthened. So that is what Paul is telling Timothy to keep doing. You are going to feel weak, and the way you'll be strengthened is by receiving from God His grace. Verse 2, um, this describes uh, four generations of people that uh, get connected together by the gospel. And it goes from Paul to Timothy to the one that Timothy will teach and to the one that that teacher teaches and so on. And so Christianity is generational in that way. I mean, the teaching that goes from one person on to the next until everyone comes to know him. And if I see things that way, then one person that I reach, reach out to, can be that apple seed through which another tree full of apples can come out. And I'm referring to, you know, the sharing of the gospel, the gospel being passed on from one to many. And so in that way, if we think like that, I'm not only reaching out to one person, but to a whole group of people if I can see it uh, with eyes of faith. And the other part of verse 2, we ought to be uh, faithful ones as we've been entrusted with the precious gospel. And so what does it mean to be faithful? 
One person defined it as to be reliable, steadfast, and unwavering. And so with the gospel we've received, be faithful with it. Get personally deeper in studying God's word so that it can lead to a transforming of our minds and how we think about our lives and our world. Then we can teach others, not just knowledge or information, but as a personal testimony that God's word is indeed true as it has worked itself out in each one of us. Being faithful involves not being ashamed of God or hiding his word under a lamp, but to share it with others. And there's so much more that could be said about being this kind of faithful man. But one thing is for sure, it involves being faithful for the long haul as you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and so on. Um, for me, I was thinking about verse 2, and it says, uh, We have all received a lot being at our church um, for however many years. Uh, the years of DT um, that have that we've done, um, what we've been taught, the Bible studies, uh, MBSs, um, we've been taught how to cook, how to notice someone else's need, how to share the gospel in Korean, Mandarin, Vietnamese, how to defend our faith, the kind of apologetics training uh, we've had access to, how so many people can give special talks and all the course one-on-one trainings we've given, and the list goes on. So we have a lot, and we must have this sense of duty to teach others, whether it's our children, the youth, international students, our younger brothers and sisters, especially as we um, plant churches, this duty I hope we take to heart, whether we are part of the team that goes out or part of the team that stays. For some, that's going to mean being on the front lines of starting a new ministry, finding people who haven't heard of Jesus, and then teaching them from ground zero. For those who are staying to pass on to younger ones the years of learning what it means to create a community of love and all the tiny things that go into building that up, all the acts of self-denial that nobody sees to obey God. And these are the things that we are called to teach and pass on to the next generation. From verses uh, 3 to 7, the remainder of this section describes pictures of Christian life, I think, in ways that uh, we can understand. I mean, uh, first part, as a good soldier, you wouldn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. And these are pursuits that can take your mind or alertness off of the spiritual battle that we're in. This description of getting entangled is like you can't get out of it easily. Like your life is so much wrapped up with this thing. And so, for example, not getting into something that our mind is uh, thinking about thinking about that all the time. And it could be some kind of new interest or hobby because you have found some extra time during SIP you're dabbling in something here and there, and soon enough you're putting too much money into that thing or spending way more time than what's appropriate. And that's going to entangle you and take away your spiritual alertness. Or there's other um, suffering and cost involved in taking a less paying job for the sake of the gospel. If your work starts to crowd out your heart to think about God or starts to eat up more and more of your time so that you hardly have time to serve in ministry, that can that can be something that you get entangled with as part of civilian pursuits. And then verse 5, then the picture of an athlete here is one who doesn't win unless he follows the rules. And this relates to how we think for ourselves how Christian life is to be lived. It's not thoughts that are born out of a plain reading of scripture, but because of what you prefer or what you're comfortable with. I know something is wrong. Yeah, this behavior is wrong. This thought is wrong. But God understands, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Or, I don't need to keep up my spiritual disciplines. I'll be fine. That, begins, that, that becomes just us making up rules for ourselves about Christian life. Or, as we get older, the thought 
pops into our minds that we can slow down some more rather than to keep persevering. That's also not from scripture. And then in verse six, as we serve God, we should be like a farmer who is hardworking. Of course, there could be lazy farmers, but not for very long because eventually there'd be no harvest. But in Christian life, it's possible to make it look like we are hardworking, but not for the long haul. We each have to come to a point where we embrace the reality that Christian life is gonna be hard because otherwise following God will feel too demanding. So from the get-go, we can see that Christian life involves a lot of hard work, hard work on shaping our character, hard work to die to our egos, hard work in loving and serving others. It's like a farmer who goes out day after day and doesn't see immediate fruit. But at the end of that labor, there is fruit, fruit of maturity, fruit of being able to take on more, fruit of having more and more deeper relationships and so forth.